0: Hi, I'm Jamie Winker. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. You're listening to The V8, V8 Insiders. Insiders.
1: It's your weekly dose of V8 news on The V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Ravel. Will
2: they ruin Clipsol? Can Craig hold his championship lead? And will Friday tyres make practice more interesting? That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the
1: races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes.
0: Hi, this is Will Davison from the Pepsi Max Crew for Performance Racing, and you are listening to the V8 Insiders.
2: Here is the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. V8 supercars have already changed the simplified formats for 2014 with the decision to split Saturday's race of the Clipsal 500. This will now result in three winners on the weekend with a Saturday afternoon race starting at the regular time for 125 kilometres followed by a twilight 125 km race later in the day. Sunday will have the regular 250-kilometre race. For the record, there'll be two qualifying sessions for the two separate races. We'll talk more about the changes to Clipsal on this week's round table. A criticism of Friday practice this year has been that teams don't have enough tyres to get through the race weekend. So teams have been using their wet tyres to shake down the cars. In 2014 V8 Supercars have informed the teams that they'll have to give one set of tyres back after practice and will not have access to that set again on that weekend. They will go into the team's tyre bank to be used as either pre-marked tyres for practice at future events or for test days. V8 Supercars has also looked to clean up the restarting procedure with the acceleration zone staying in 2014. They have elected not to use double-file restarts staying with the single-file restarting method, but not allowing the lead car to accelerate away until they're at the acceleration zone. Currently, the lead car can accelerate away once the pace car has cleared the pit entrance. In other changes for 2014, we'll see no reference to the car of the future or any longer, like the uh, Gold Coast is no longer Indy, I'm sure, the new official name for the current cars is now New Generation. Practice 1 will be extended to 75 minutes at Winton, Queensland Raceway and Sydney Motorsport Park with an additional driver practice sessions being on those weekends. Qualifying on twin race days will see 15 minutes time extension being shared between two sessions. If there's a problem with... The cars on track in practice, they will no longer stop the practice clock as all practices will be time certain. And the fuel rules will be changed which will require each car to stake a specified amount of fuel similar to the rules used at this year's Gold Coast 600. The latest edition of Verdex magazine is on sale now. You'll see Craig Lowndes and Peter Brock on the cover. The iPad edition is at the Mag Shop. Android lovers will have it at Magster, and hard copies are in store now. After the break, Andrew Clark and Tony Whitlock will join me, and well we'll certainly have an interesting talk about formats and the island this weekend. I hope you'll stay with us. News
1: on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the
2: number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from Race Facts, it's Tony Whitlock. Good evening, Tony. Uh, Hi there. And from... V8X Magazine, it's Andrew Clark. Good evening, Andrew.
3: Great, Tony. How are you? I'm good, thanks.
2: And uh, of course, with both of you being Hawthorne supporters, we'll get that out of the way. Congratulations, you played well. Uh,
4: Yeah, Yeah. well, it's one of the teams I support. (laughs) I am also an ABC supporter, and people outside Melbourne don't really know what that is, but for those who don't, it's anyone but Collingwood, okay? Yes, no, I had a
3: very good day at the grand final,
4: so I I enjoyed that
2: one. Well, we're coming up... I did enjoy watching it on TV. We're coming up to the V8 grand final, but this weekend it's all about Phillip Island. Do you have any predictions what this Phillip Island new surface, tyres have checked out okay is going to be like, Andrew? Well,
3: it's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, I think any time they resurface a track, it it opens up the world a little bit and... uh, I think you've just got to sit back and say, well, normally when a change happens, the cream rises to the top. So you'd be expecting that those two teams that have been dominating the car racing for two years will, will keep going well. So I think you'll see yeah, your Will Davison, Mark Winterbottom, Craig Lowndes and Jamie Wincup battle just keep on raging. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think yeah, the lap times are going to be stunning and some of those speeds will be impressive.
2: What about you,
0: Tony?
4: Yeah, I'm sure it will and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised though if there are some teams that have some particularly good engineering brains such as a BJR and a Techno and maybe one or two others that really do also uh, get back up there again as they have this year. And that's one of the things that the uh, car of the future has done certainly and that's why we've got more winners than ever before and all those other things because the new car just makes great demands on engineering skills.
2: What about uh, when we look at the three hundred and sixty format? We come to our last. Do you, any of you think it's been a success? Starting you with you, Tony.
4: No, I don't, and I've, I've disliked it from the word go. But I, far more tolerant nowadays, being over sixty, that uh, willing to give it a chance and saying okay. In the in the light of um, being far more. Uh, Reasonable about things that yes, okay, I'll give it a chance. It's a pity that V8 supercars didn't actually give more of a sell to the format rather than just saying we're trying something new, giving them reasons to why they were trying it. And, you know, that being, of course, the whole fuel consumption issue. Um, but, you know, I, I think that uh, one thing they learned out of it was those uh, double file restarts looked rather good and there's something that they should look at doing, but I'm certainly not a fan of that uh, A to Z
0: and
2: uh what about you, Andrew? Oh,
4: I think the um, uh, you could
3: never say the sixty sixty's been a success I mean it's provided some of the most boring racing I reckon we've seen in years, so uh, I don't think anybody's going to be sad to see the back of those things um, but with like Tony, I think the double file double loan restart's been a good thing um, and I'm pretty disappointed that the when the teams were told that was what's going to happen for all safety car interventions that they, uh, they had a little tanty and a hissy fit and got rid of it. And uh, I think uh, it needs to come back in. It needs to come in next year. Otherwise, your safety car restarts are uh, yeah, boring.
2: I did like, and uh, this was a topic we we're going to do in the next segment, but I did like the fact they put out, a, put out a press release to say the AZ board will be in at all restarts, stopping short of saying, and they'll all be double file. Isn't accelerating away when you get towards the start-finish line, the whole goal of a restart? Tony? Oh, I think... Oh, sorry, uh, Andrew. No, 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 sorry,
4: no I think, right ahead. I, I, yeah, I'm not a A to Z board man, so, you know... I, mean, oh. <laughs> I think the issue to
3: me is that the, the restarts are so dictated by the person in front that they can get a huge jump just by, you know, doing something silly. And I, I'm a fan of, like, tightening up a little bit, but I think that the window on yeah, what they've done in the 60-60, I think the window is too short. Um, but I think, you yeah, know, you give it a little bit of flexibility and see what happens. But I think if you did the double-lane restarts on a, on a, on a normal, normal go, it wouldn't matter so
4: much having the A to Z boards. Mm. Of course... Yeah, I agree, and that would add far more interest to the whole endeavour. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, some of those double-lane restarts...
3: It's the only thing you watch to sixty sixty four. 64 or The rest of the time, you turn off.
2: It's interesting, though, because we have a situation where this year we have seen a number of times the drivers getting the restart wrong. And uh, let's face it, in Austin, Fabian Coulthard, and uh, I can't remember who it was at Simmons Plains, were very, very close to having the book thrown at them. And But for the fact that uh, it wasn't Jamie Winkup winning the race, you would have expected that uh, there would have been a bigger penalty handed out.
4: Well, there were penalties handed out. You know, Coulthard, Wing Cap and Lance would get penalties because it, it wasn't properly understood in the way in which they did it. So, you know. But, you know, again, it's that age-old thing of post-race penalties are largely irrelevant because the bulk of the population never really know about it.
3: Yeah, that's the old NASCAR philosophy that, you know, you never take away the win of somebody who's won because you confuse the crowd. So I've got no dramas of that, but I think, you know, to me, some of the penalties handed out for indiscretions after the race are pretty timid. You know, I'd favour having really large penalties after the race rather than wrong ones during the race. Uh, you know, just a bit of a relook at the way they all penalties are handed out.
2: Now, of course, uh, we need to go back to Phillip Island because with the race this weekend, the championship is still in the balance, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. Do you both think Craig Lowndes can extend his lead or do you think Jamie will be able to pull it back and, in fact, take the lead into Sydney?
4: Oh, you go, Andrew.
3: I reckon anybody who bets against Jamie Winkup is a fool. Um, yeah, he's the best and most accomplished driver in the field at the moment. Um, uh, and I think when he's backs against the wall in the past, he's shown that you know, he's got the, the wherewithal to do the right thing. So... I reckon any one of those guys between uh, you know Windcup, Lounds, and Winterbottom, you know if uh, if one of them snags the right setup, then they're gonna they're gonna look like champions. Uh, if they have struggled a little bit, they're gonna uh, they're gonna fall back. Um, but you just need a bit of luck, in a sense. You know, one person. You know, you think about what J- your Jason Brights and Cooltards could do. Like they'll get into the game. They'll be in the picture. Um, they'll be making a mess of other people. So. You know, anything's possible at the end of the day, but I would expect that Jamie Wincup uh, can probably fix the uh, the windless streak that they're talking about at Phillip Island.
4: Yeah, look, I, I agree totally with that. I mean, Wincup is the benchmark. Yeah. Um, you've only got to look at two other major categories in the world, NASCAR and F1, look at the dominance of drivers, and those sort of things you know, happen for a reason because those guys have set a benchmark. I wouldn't be surprised if... Uh, Wind Cup does the same thing. I mean I'm not saying I want that to happen. Um uh, I mean you'll see me crossing my fingers and toes more than anyone else to see more particularly I suppose SPR, but also Winterbottom, I mean I'd really would love to see him win the championship. Um I think that uh, while he doesn't have the charisma um no, maybe not Wind Cup, but the charisma of some others, he doesn't have also the uh, the front uh, of say a tander, um, and the uh, uh, competitiveness of, say, uh, Lowndes. But you know, the, the great thing is that Mark Widowa you know, has done all the things that you should do to be where he is, that he could win it. And I'd love to see that happen.
3: I think for the sport, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, uh, Mark Winterbottom and Craig Lowndes beating Jamie Cup is the best possible outcome. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's probably if you sat back and you said, well, what you want is the Ford driver to win because Ford haven't won for so many years. So, you know, I think yeah, there would be a lot of people sitting there hoping that one of those two takes it out um, simply because the same bloke winning all the time, no matter how good he is, gets boring. Uh, yeah. And I was reading something the other day where you know, people getting stuck into Sebastian Vettel for, because he's winning another one and everybody's bored. Well, people are actually bored with Vettel's attitude more so than the fact that he's winning. Um, but at least you're know, out here when, when your Jamie Wincup. He's not a tool. You know, yeah. he's not a bad sport. He's not what battle is. Um, so if he wins a game, that's not such a bad thing, but I think it's better for the sport if the other, one of the other two wins.
2: Yeah. And yeah. that's a big thing, isn't it? It's, uh, and Jamie, I think this year, more than any other year, has been acknowledging the fact that he understands where he is in the popularity stakes and uh, a couple of times he's had uh, interesting comments about pit stacking and he goes yeah it's terrible pit stacking because I copped a blast on social media and everyone gets into me because I make the most popular driver in the sport sit behind me and I, I think with him saying more and more things like that I think that uh people are starting to appreciate, yeah, he's he's not a robot. He has got feelings. He does express himself quite well in smaller groups. Um, he just hasn't been able to pick up a mass appeal yet. And he's a Hawthorne supporter. <laughs> oh, geez, I'll take everything I just said back. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, but I agree. I think one of the things that Jamie's had a lot of trouble with over the past is that his dedication to winning and his application to that task um, has made him appear aloof at times. And, you know... You could argue that Craig Lowndes is the opposite. Like, Craig Lowndes, um, his mind works in a different way.
0: You know, And I remember doing
3: an interview with, the, with them ages ago, the two of them at the same time, and we sat down about how they process the data that comes to them. And, you know, Jamie sits there, and he looks at the computer screen, and he looks at the printouts, and he talks to his engineer, and he rolls it all through that way, and he analyses it that way. And what Craig Lowndes does is he goes out and signs autographs, and he takes his mind into a different place, and then he's processing it in a different manner. It's just the different personalities for them and the way they work and the way they
4: analyze what what goes into their heads. I've been Um, asking Amy for some years what language he speaks and he goes, what do you mean? What language do you speak? Because you're a different planet, he is, from the other 27. He he has a different way of looking at things. Um, He hasn't told me what language is his first language yet, but you know, he, he will one day.
3: Yeah, but that's why he wins. You know, there is only one thing that matters
4: to Jamie Wincup, and that is winning. And and people people sadly say, oh, he's a bad sport because he doesn't accept losing. No, and he wants to win. That's why he's there. Honestly, who
3: cares whether he's a bad sport because he doesn't like losing if you're not there? Yeah, I agree,
4: totally. If if
3: you like losing, go and find something else to do, you know? His job is there to win races. That's it, full stop. Yeah. yeah, his second job is to sign autographs, yeah, and you know people are going to understand the sequence that that takes. You yeah? if he's not absolutely dedicated to the task of winning, he won't win. Yeah, it's quite simple. I might he's
2: try not and a dig up champion for nothing. I might try and dig up the. Uh interview i have with craig Lowndes. i think i did it at simmons plains this year or last year on the white flag lap this week where we talk about how he's able to compartmentalize so many different parts of his life uh to be able to you know do the autograph stuff do the car racing do the the personal stuff and keep it all so separate so when he's doing each one of those he is able to you know give every part of his attention to it um, Yeah,
3: and he's quite a freak in the way he does that like he and Peter Brock, they're once-in-a-lifetime people. Um, they don't come around very often. And uh, you look at all the others and you think, you know, they're all kind of varying degrees of, of, of wind cup to lounge in their, in their scope. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's to say, you know, you're not all going to be built like Craig Lowndes. I mean, you find me another motorsport in the world that has as much technical ability required of its driver that has a Craig Lounge, and there's not many. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, uh,
2: all right, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders, but plenty more when we return. You've taken the V8
1: to the races. you watch watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine
2: in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, hi, I'm Alexandre Prema from the Fujitsu JRM team, and you are listening to the V8 Insider. Welcome back to the Van Insiders. Craig Ravel joined by Andrew Clark and also Tony Whitlock. And guys, a few, few interesting stories that are coming out of this week. And uh, I know Peter Norton wanted to be on the show desperately today because he goes, they've broken Clipsal. What marketing genius decides to take possibly the best race, certainly the best event on the V8 Supercar calendar, and change it? Tony.
4: I was I sent off an email a week ago, and I still haven't got a reply, other than the fact that Mike Drew has left the job as a PR for the Eclipse I sent off an email saying I thought you'd decided on you know, there were going to be three different formats at all the events next year, and that whether they be street, enduro, or sprint series. And now you've ruined the model by saying there aren't going to be, you know, 250k races, or in the case of you know, Gold Coast, 300. And I thought they've stuffed it. They've totally ruined it. You know, it was sacrosanct for sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years, or whatever it was, and now they're
2: bugging it. I um, think it's actually fifteen, Tony. Is it this? Yeah. This next one's the fifteenth.
4: Right. Okay. It just is crazy. It's just crazy, and um, I didn't get an answer from anybody. That uh, I'll chase up Damien White again to see if I can get some sort of rationale behind it. I mean, okay, yes, they want to do a a sunset race, but you still could have done the two fifty ks and just ended it later.
2: Uh, that, that that makes more sense to me, have uh, the excitement of that Mini Enduro leading straight into the prime time. Uh, Andrew, your thoughts? Oh, look,
3: I, I don't know anybody who doesn't think it is the single most stupid decision in the history of the eight supercar races. It is just crazy. You, you're taking the biggest, most successful race in the championship, And you muck it with it. I mean, what clown would think he's going to do that? And I know that, you know, James Warburton spoke about innovation. If he thinks this is innovation and if his team thinks this is innovation, they got another thing coming. And it's just, it's an atrocious decision. You could have, if you want the twilight, easy. 250 Ks into the twilight, easy. Very simple. You just start it two hours later than you started it before. Uh, I just cannot believe it. When I got the the news about this. I,
2: I just sat there shaking my head. I Staggered. Mm. It's also interesting because the South Australian government's having a war inside itself where the uh, arts and entertainment minister is saying we're going to move a couple of these events off the uh, the crazy beginning of March and uh, Jay Wetherald is having another argument with everyone saying no we're not. We're going to leave it all how it is. So uh, to have that sort of fighting going on in the background of a boneheaded decision like changing Clipsal, you really have to ask some questions.
3: What I worry about is that they start the mucking around now, do they kill the event? Do they kill off an event that's been so successful for South Australia, so successful for V8 Supercars, and an event that the fans love? I mean... There's so many other events that have problems. Why not spend your effort trying to fix those? Why not do something about getting us out of that disastrous, disgusting Queensland raceway instead of ruining one of the greatest races we've got?
2: Mm. Well, we could probably talk about the whys and wherewithals of that for a while, but uh, (laughs) it's also interesting that... uh, Well, we've mentioned about the acceleration zone, but another important one is they're going to have practice tyres, Tony?
4: Yeah, yeah, this is great news. Um, You know, instead of the usual fumbling around, as you say, seeing that the car actually is running properly on uh, wet tyres on a dry day, um, they'll actually go and use up their tyres and uh, have to hand in some at the end of the day. So everybody will use um, a good set in the uh, end of a P4 or P5 or whatever the hell they're running nowadays um, on the Friday so that, you know, it'll have far more relevance. Andrew? Yep, might have to pay attention to Friday now.
2: It's still the one thing about all these changes that I haven't got straight in my head is are we back to weekend winners and event winners, because we don't call them rounds anymore, even though just about everyone else does nowadays, I noticed in V8 supercars, Uh, or are we still with this farcical situation where at Clipsal we'll have the Saturday afternoon winner, the Saturday evening winner, and the Sunday winner who wins the Clipsal 500, which uh, even now, more than ever, makes it the Eclipseal 250.
3: It does, doesn't it? I mean, who knows what their plans are on that front? I mean, they don't seem to have ever got their head around the fact that the race fans have never accepted that concept. Um, I still struggle. You know, like I, I look at the stats and see how many poles Jamie Winchart's got, for instance, and then you compare it to a you know, a Mark Scaife, for instance, who didn't run in this this multiple race era, and you think, gee, Jamie Wincup's a great pole winner, but then you sit back and you think, well, Mark Scaife only could only get one in a weekend. Jamie Wincup can get three. Um, you know, so not only statistically are we skewing history, uh, it's just giving us something that's stupid. I mean, the Gold Coast 600, yet we have two winners. The Clipsal 500, we have two winners. I mean, it's just stupid. I think it's time that somebody actually sat down and said, what is our motor racing history? Our motor racing history is we have rounds and we have a round winner. Let's get back to it. Tony? Yeah, I agree totally. Yeah, certainly. Yep. Maybe Tony and I are so old we uh, we can't see the future.
2: (laughs) Well, if the future is... (laughs) If the future is make it so confusing that no-one understands it. And as Tony said, it looked like with the format announcement they were simplifying it. There's three, but now there's three-and-a-half or three-and-a... What is it? Three-and-a-quarter, because Clipsil's one of four street races. Uh, in modern
4: parlance, isn't that
2: 3.1? What was that? In, in modern
4: parlance, isn't that 3.1? Wouldn't it have to be 2.5? Oh, Oh, OK. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you're, but you're probably right. It probably is 3.1, even though it's a quarter and one yeah. bears no relevance to a quarter in anyone's language. But uh, perhaps that's the new of language. Somebody but, will
4: probably be doing those points again and, and comparing uh, championship points won over their careers. Oh, that's totally relevant, isn't it? You know. Yeah.
2: Well, we get into the Formula One system where uh, a win was ten, 10 points and now a win's 25.
4: Well, it used to be nine points, in fact, Craig.
2: Nine, sorry, you were... yeah.
4: When you were in selling (laughs) shorts, yeah, (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: it is. It is one of those ones. What price heritage over the future? But if you make it convoluted and incomprehensible, then there's no advantage whatsoever.
3: Yeah, yeah. You've got to follow the concept of keep it simple. I mean, you know, I do branding, corporate branding exercises, and one of the things that you learn in branding one hundred and one is if somebody calls you something, that's what you are. You know, so in the case of, you know, a law firm for instance that might be called Clark Whitlock and Ravel and everybody calls it Clark's, why would I then want to go and rebrand it as Ravel? You have know, gotta look at what people see and what people understand. And I think, you know, the fact that we call it an event the Gold Coast six hundred when it's two, three hundred kilometer races tells you that nobody under this system, nobody who follows this form of motorsport Nobody at V8 Supercars understands what they're trying to do. If you call it the Gold Coast 600, then we all understand it as one round, so give me one round winner of the Gold Coast 600. Very simple concept. You cannot re-engineer the way people think. Mm.
2: Well, it's... Interesting as we go on through Phillip Island to Sydney and to wrap up this year, I wanted to get a championship prediction from the both of you. Who do you think, Andrew, will win the championship?
3: Uh, I think win the bottom well. um, I reckon he's on a bit of a roll. I think uh, he's got the uh, you know, the wherewithal to get there nowadays. Uh, I think, to me, I, I don't think that Red Bull Racing is smack bang 100% on form at the moment. So. You know, but my one worry, my one worry is that FPR has found so many ways to lose things in the past. You know, Can they come up with
4: another new one? Who knows?
2: What about you, Tony?
4: I think because also the fact that um, they've got four guys, although Alex hasn't shown any of it really, but they've got four guys who are capable of um, being up there that um FPR will do a wonderful job in in getting their four cars jamming up the front end of the field and That I think, like like Andrew, that Winterbottom, you know, most sport nowadays, regardless of whatever it is, because you know, cars don't break down the way they did. Yeah, sure, if they bang into each other, they do, but you know, we don't have the problems. And fortunately, the transaxle thing never showed up this year; it was going to be the problem. And that the cars, you know, because largely they were uh, very similar to the previous model, that um, they're reliable. And so, therefore, I think it will come down to speed. And I. Think think that the confidence of FPR and Winterbottom has shown in particular that, yeah, they'll get it over the line. I, I, that's a prediction, but it's also a hope. And you still face the,
3: the prospect, as Tony says, of all of those teams getting in the way. I mean, remember back to Rick Kelly's championship win, when he was very ably helped by the guys from HRT in that process. And the other thing that'll come into play is the whole stacking thing. You know, if FPR's facing a stacking scenario and Winterbottom's a bloke who's going to win the championship... You reckon they're going to make
4: him wait behind Will
3: Davison?
4: Mm. I, Andrew, in fact, you reminded me. I was in fact standing in pit lane that year when Rick won his championships. And forget the fact that Lowndes and Kelly came together on the track. The stacking that went on in pit lane and the way in which people were trying to jam up pit lane—it was atrocious. And there was so fortunate there were no real accidents there, let alone anyone being major held up.
2: Uh, uh, yeah, it was
4: an interesting day
2: it, it was because I think the championship was actually lost on the Sunday morning race more so than the big accident between Rick and, and Craig in the Sunday afternoon race
3: oh, It was the work of Tanda and Skafe that, uh, that won Rick Kelly that championship, not that crash.
2: Yep, yep. I think we all agree with that. Look, the white flags coming, the white flag laps coming up after the break. I'm going to pull out that uh, interview with Craig Lowndes where we talked about his ability to compartmentalise his different aspects of life because I think uh, that will very much suit our discussion earlier. But uh, Andrew and Tony, always a pleasure to catch up with you here on the V8 Insiders. the white flag laps up next here on the V8 Insiders.
1: To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing. V8 Supercars, showcasing some of today's best riders and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now.
0: Hi, I'm Jonathan Webb from Techno Autosports. You're listening to V8 Insiders.
2: On this week's Munro Shock Absorber's White Flag Lap we spoke about it in the roundtable. Craig Lowndes is one of the greatest drivers in this country and one of the greatest drivers for segmenting different aspects of his life. In 2012, I caught up with him at Sandown at the test day. I asked him how he can focus in on just one thing at a time.
0: Oh, I think that uh, whenever you get an opportunity to drive any car, I think it's a, it's, it's a, it's a benefit for any driver. Um, you, you get into a car and, you, and you're trying to extract the best out of it and, and you know, get your mind ticking over about what you need, how to achieve it. Uh, and for a team like ourselves, you know, I think that's, um, uh we, we're well-structured, we're well-financed, and, uh, and, of course, uh, Roland's very keen to get cars up and running built this year. So... Um yeah, I, I can, I can, uh, you know, compartmentalise everything. But it's, uh, you know, look for me, it's, 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 uh, it's a great, it's an exciting time because uh, I love that side of the sport. I love uh, getting in with um, uh, the new technology and understanding what it needs to do and how we need to achieve to make it go faster. I think that uh, you know, I've always enjoyed that side of it. Whenever we've, uh, you know, in a sense done the tyre test, a brake test. Uh, you know, longevity, duration test, whatever it may be, on an engine or a gearbox, it's it's something for me. It's a you know, it's, it's a it's a lot of fun. It's exciting. It's a brand new uh, toy to play with. Peter Brock
2: interview nineteen ninety six, and he was talking about this young guy who was going to join his team and what he needed to do to make you the great international driver that he and others saw in you. Can you reflect back to that time? and your mindset then and
0: how much Craig Landings is different? Oh, I think that the whole sport's completely different from 96 to now. Brock was a huge influence uh, on my life, uh, not only in, inside a race car but outside of it and, uh, and what and who I stand for today and what I do you know, with the fans and everything else and I suppose just my approach to, to race weekend, especially loving Bathurst and everything else, I think it was a big part of what Brock was and how he approached things so yeah it's, it's, uh, it was a great opportunity I think our sport in V8s gives the younger drivers a, a much better opportunity to do the international races like Abu Dhabi next year if, if uh, the American thing comes off it gives a, again a, a bigger scope for the, for the drivers to have a a bigger audience and, uh, and hopefully a potential of a, a greater opportunity to go and do other things if they want to do it. And uh, you know, V8 Supercars is, is, has hugely changed from '96 to now, and I think that uh, with the changes, as I said, it, it's giving the, that next generation or the younger generation better, better opportunities. I went overseas. Scape went overseas. There's a lot of drivers that went overseas. Unfortunately, didn't make it because of the finances. Didn't continue to uh, to make it over there for us. But um, but with with and through V8 Supercars, hopefully that that can be a stepping stone for. Us. My thanks to
2: Craig Lowndes there, also to Andrew Clark and Tony Whitlock as the checkered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now.
1: Join us next week for more
0: V8 Insiders only on V8X.com.au.